Welcome to Sexology, a podcast that untangles the science of sex and pleasure. And now, with this week's episode, your host, clinical psychologist, Dr. Nazanin Moali. Hello there. Welcome to episode 364 of Sexology podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Nazanin Moali. Today, we're going to dive into the topic that resonates with many, the fascinating intersection of vacation and our intimate lives. As we find ourselves in the heart of vacation season, it's important to remember that preparation is key to having a successful, stress-free time away. Many of us look forward to this time of the year where we can disconnect from our routine and immerse ourselves in new experiences. Vacations provide an opportunity to unwind, rejuvenate, and explore, serving as a catalyst for rediscovery and renowned energy. Yet just like any other aspect of life, a little planning can go a long way. Whether you're traveling with your partner, family, or embarking on a solo adventure, ensuring that you've covered all the bases for having maximum sexual pleasure, that is the key. Get ready to explore the power of physically escaping our everyday routine and environments and how this change can break down mental barriers or inhibition towards sex. We're going to talk about how you can experience state of flow during sexual experiences with your partner. But wait, there is more. We'll also talk about managing expectation when it comes to vacation sex and addressing the pressure some may feel to have the best sex ever. Our guest today is Dr. Emily Jamia. Dr. Emily is a seasoned sex and relationship therapist based on Houston, Texas. With over 15 years of experience in the field, Emily has empowered countless individuals, guiding them to foster connection and ignite passion in their relationships. Dr. Jamia's insight perspective have been featured in lots of different publications, such as Opera, CNN, USA Today, the BBC, NBC, and many more. Dr. Jamia also has her own podcast that I encourage you to check it out. It's called Love and Libido Podcast. Get ready for an incredible conversation. But before we dive in, we have a special treat for all of our beloved listeners. By popular demand, I've created a free mini stress management course just for you, available for download in our show notes. Stress has a sneaky way of creeping into our lives, silently eroding the quality of our relationships and intimacy. That's why it's crucial to dress and manage stress to maintain a healthy and fulfilling relationship. This guide is packed with practical tips and exercises to help you navigate stress and prevent it from hindering your connection with your partner. Remember, a more relaxed you equals a more connected and intimate you. So don't miss this opportunity to equip yourself with the tools to strengthen your relationship against the onslaught of stress. Click the link in the show notes to download our free guide and take a step towards stronger, more fulfilling relationships. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Dr. Emily Jamia. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Sexology Podcast. I am so excited to welcome Emily Jamia to our show. Emily, welcome to our show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. 
Well, this is going to be a fun topic. We're going to talk about vacation sex. I know many Love of it. my clients and even they're struggling. I tell them, ask them, when was the last time you had a good sexual experience with your partner? And oftentimes it's on vacation. Why do you think vacations are so special? There's a lot of reasons. I think probably first and foremost, it is a break from your normal routine. So we don't realize how stuck we are in the monotony of life. And that can get kind of boring after a while. And so anything that shakes up the mix can add excitement. I think a lot of times people think that in order to keep sex exciting, you have to do new things in the bedroom. But we know from the research that that's not necessarily true. There's a lot you can do outside the bedroom and that shift in energy will translate inside the bedroom. So I think that's a really important element and probably a very close second, if not competing for the number one spot on why vacation sex is better, is that you're less stressed out. You don't have all the daily responsibilities that you have in your normal day-to-day life. And so anything we can do to bring down our stress levels is going to have a positive impact on how we feel sexually. I 100% agree with you. I think sometimes people say like our, even our sexual desire is increases. And one of the reason is because you're not stressed out. You don't have hundred things in your to-do list. So of course you're more attuned to what's, what's happening. Do you hear that? Like people say like our desire, desires were higher. And why do you think is that? Oh, for sure. I mean, a lot of people, like to your point, when you ask when was the last time you had great sex, a lot of times people will cite that it was on vacation. And it's because you are carving out an extended period of time to focus on each other. You are hopefully in an environment that's conducive to relaxation. And so all of those things together just give you more opportunity to connect, not just emotionally, but sexually too. You're kind of aware. And also I think people tend, depending on what kind of vacation you guys are taking, but they tend to be more attuned like like if day-to-day life and you're talking to your partner, maybe they're answering emails, maybe they're doing a hundred different things, but hopefully in vacation, you're having more of a face-to-face experiences. Exactly. I could not agree more. I think we underestimate how powerful of a role attunement plays. Again, not just for emotional connection, but sexual connection too. I mean, we have research that shows that however your nervous system is activated can affect the way your partner feels in close relationships. So the more relaxed you feel, the more relaxed your partner feels, you're focused on each other, you're just, you get into a more positive feedback loop, I think, as it relates to kind of the neurophysiology of attunement. And so that definitely plays a role. Beautiful. So when I'm thinking about vacation sex, I think about like a secret recipe for the sauce. So one is lower stress. The other one is more attunement. And third one, we talk about maybe novelty outside the bedroom. What else can like, what, what else do you think contribute to the magic in vacation? I think, you know, what I always encourage couples to do is to an extent, kind of talk about what their expectations are for sex on vacation. You don't necessarily want one person going into the vacation thinking that it's all going to be about rest and relaxation and getting 10 hours of sleep a night while the other person is like really excited to go out and connect and go dancing and make love all weekend long. So I think it's really important that couples talk ahead of time about what kind of sex they expect to have on vacation, not to like beat a dead horse. You don't necessarily want to overthink it. But I think that having a little bit of a conversation can help set the tone. You know, do you want to feel 
like really connected and tender and romantic? Or do you want to use the extended time together to try something new that maybe you haven't really felt in the mood for back home in your day-to-day life? So I think it's good to have those conversations as well so that couples can build up positive anticipation and excitement for the kind of sex that they're going to have. Emily brought up such an interesting point. When I talk about like sexual connection, passion in different conferences, people approach me talking about their sex life, which is so funny that it's like the one of the perk of being a sex therapist. I'm sure you have the same experience that I think, oh, this person looks very conservative and they come to me after the talk and they're like very kinky. And oh, yeah, <laughs> they told me about all of their fun adventures. But one of the common themes I hear, that especially couples in longer term relationship, they say like, you know, my partner and I, we're going on a sabbatical or vacation and I want to rekindle passion. But I can imagine that, you know, if you don't have that conversation, <laughs> you might get disappointed if you don't see that enthusiasm right. and openness. So you talked about novelty. So how do we know if we want to spice things up in vacation? How can we prepare ourselves? If Is preparation is a great idea? So tell us more about that. So I think a lot of people get nervous when they hear sexual novelty because they think they're going to have to go from like vanilla sex to Fifty Shades of Grey style sex. And that's what sexual novelty is. But we know like I do a lot in the area of flow state science and looking at how that relates to sex. And One really interesting thing about flow state is this phenomenon that we refer to as the challenge skills ratio, which basically says that if you are engaged in an activity, and this could be sex, it could be tennis, any activity you think of, if the challenge is too far above your skill set, you're going to feel anxious. If it's too far below your skill set, you're going to be bored. And so there's this magic ratio of just about 4% that tends to put people in the zone. And so I think it's important to start small whenever you're trying something new. And so for some people, just the fact that they're having sex in a new location and in a hotel room, that can be just enough to to incorporate a novel element. But I think if they want to try something new, I always encourage people to start with baby steps. And remember that it doesn't really take much to get into that flow state that I was referring to earlier. So a flow state is when we're engaged in activity, when there's like a loss of space and time, you feel totally absorbed in whatever you're doing, you have intense focus. And one complaint I hear over and over again from clients, I'm sure you do too, is that they have such a hard time quieting the mind down in order to focus on sex. And so I think being on vacation obviously gives you an opportunity to do that because you're not bogged down by all the responsibilities that you have. But that is also one of the benefits of novelty because when you're doing anything new, you have to focus on it a little bit harder. And so the two feed off of each other in a really positive way. So to summarize, it's it's all about starting small and baby steps. And I think that helps people feel less less intimidated. Well, I love the flow state conversation. I was a, like, a, I was on an app. They wanted me to teach something and I was like randomly checking it out. And I think you taught flow state on that app, which is very uh-huh. interesting. I was like, yeah. in my nail, doing my nail. I was like, oh, this is interesting. That was yeah. the first time I heard the flow state in the context of kind of sexuality connections, mm-hmm. especially for long-term relationships. So one of the element is of doing something that 4% newer, more challenging, so your brain is engaged. 
what else can help us to get into that flow state? Probably one of the biggest flow triggers is deep embodiment. So again, to my point that the more stuck in our head we are, the more distracted we are, the less present we are in our bodies. And if we know anything about what makes a great sexual experience is that you feel everything, all of the sensations that are happening in your body. And so again, I think practicing sensuality outside, outside the bedroom will make it easier to feel sensual inside the bedroom. We don't realize how stuck we are in a multitasking world. I mean, pretty much everybody is trying to do two things at once. We live in a very split attention society. I mean, when was the last time you took a drive and didn't also have a podcast on? Now, if you're listening to this, it's okay this time because (laughs) this is a great (laughs) podcast. But generally, I encourage people to try to just do one thing at a time because how can you expect to go from doing 10 things at a time to having the singular focus on sex. And so again, I think being on vacation is conducive to maybe you're just lounging on the beach and reading a book. You're giving the nervous system time to quiet down a little bit. And that makes it much easier to connect and get inside the body and also attune to your partner's sexual cues. So that's one. You know, when we look at flow state research, we look at what can happen just individually to get you into a flow state. But there's also a lot of interesting research on what groups of people can do to get into a flow state or teams. You know, think of like a band of musicians who starts jamming out without, you know, playing melodies that aren't necessarily planned. It's because they are highly attuned to one another. And a lot of times that only happens if they are practicing on a regular basis. And so I think the same applies to sex. If you are having sex very infrequently, your instruments aren't going to be very finely tuned and it can be harder to get into that kind of in sync state that we want to feel when we're making love with another person. And so I like to remind people not to get too discouraged if maybe at the start of your vacation, you're not quite matching up or you feel a little rusty or it feels a bit awkward. Trust that, you know, the more you do it, the more you'll find your rhythm and the better it will be. So that's another one is being consistent, I think can can do a lot. And then it's it's setting expectations and talking through, you know, how do we want to feel? A lot of times people, I think, get too focused on what they want to do during a sexual experience. But I think a better conversation is how do we want this sexual experience to make us feel? Do we want to be exploratory? Do we want to be kind of animalistic? Do we want to play with, you know, do we want to engage in power play? Do we want to do role play? Do we want to be tender and romantic? Like what do we want to celebrate? Like what are we wanting from this experience? And so that I think can be a a different angle when it comes to talking about how you want to feel through sex. Well, I want all of those. (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) Sounds fun. (laughs) But I think it absolutely makes sense, the practice piece, because there are not, uh, every day not, we all of us are not in the state of flow. And what I've noticed for myself, when I do exercise, I do running. And when I used to do surfing, that was a time I was truly in flow state. But on other things, that's not outside the bedroom. That's not how I feel. So it, it makes sense, the embodiment piece. Because I think for me, novelty, I, I love novelty. I, all aspect of my life, I want things to be new and shiny yeah. <laughs> and exciting. But I think embodiment is, is really important. That's why I think during 
sport, I feel that way more often than like, I don't know, reading the book or doing work. For helping couples to practice embodiment, maybe together or individually, what kind of suggestions you have for people? Go slow. That's the biggest one. So I think a lot of people try to go from zero to 60 with the flip of a switch and it just doesn't work that way. One component of flow research that I think is so interesting is this idea of the stages of flow. So you don't go from doing nothing to experiencing flow. First, you have to go through what they refer to as a struggle phase and then a release phase, and then you get into flow. And then finally, the fourth stage is kind of integration. So there's always going to be a little bit of a struggle phase. Think you brought up surfing, and that's such a great example. Think of how it feels. You got to stop and wax your board. You got to paddle out. You maybe sit out there kind of waiting around for the right, right wave. But you're willing to do that because you know eventually you're going to catch an awesome ride on a killer wave and get into flow. Or when you go for a run, you don't get into that runner's high on the first block you run or the first lap around the track. Like it takes a little bit of warming up and your body saying, ooh, I kind of like this for those neurochemicals to be released. And the same principle applies to sex. We rush it. And if we don't feel that high right away, a lot of times we think it's just not going to be good sex. And I think that especially on vacation, when you hopefully have extra time, you can linger in bed for hours if you want and just caress each other and and use vacation sex as an opportunity to slow down and ignite nerve endings in the body that have maybe been asleep for a little while, you know, before rushing through intercourse or making orgasm a quick goal. I mean, if you've been together for a while and you're going on vacation, you probably have those things figured out already. Use vacation sex as an opportunity to slow down and try something different, whether that's discovering new erogenous zones or whatever it is. And again, just know that there's going to be a little bit of a struggle before you find that release and then eventually enter flow. Well, it completely makes sense. And I know that many people, especially with long-term partner, if they're not feeling like wildly aroused, they check out and they go to their fantasies yeah. because they're scared that, oh my God, I'm not going to get an orgasm. My partner gets offended. I'm, not, I'm I don't have time for sex like the right. next few days. So, but I like that you're saying that kind of like tune into what's happening and see what will come up because it seems like that kind of struggle also is part of it. Exactly. And it's such a mindset shift, you know, rather than focusing on what isn't happening, focus on everything that is happening. There probably is a lot going on that you're just not aware of because you've been disconnected from your body so long. I mean, when was I always ask people, like, when was the last time you sat down for a meal and just focused on the food with your eyes, with your nose, with your mouth, the sound of the food, just Anything that you can do to get you engaged with the five senses is going to help. So when we're talking about 4%, it's such an exact number. And I know for different people, 4% is different. How can we find that 4% with our partner? Do we talk about it beforehand? Do we lower our expectation for them to catch us? What What is your recommendation around that? Great question. So I think the biggest issue I see for couples is that they're not necessarily, quote unquote, for lack of a better word, playing at the same level. Maybe one person has more experience than the other is, you know, and it's not that 4% is the exact magic number for every single person. Sometimes people need a little bit more than that. Sometimes people need a little bit less than that. 
But collaboration is the name of the game when it comes to great sex. And so it may mean that occasionally you stretch yourself a little bit because hopefully you're in a relationship where there is trust and safety established and you know that, okay, even though this is a little bit outside my comfort zone, I am with someone who is going to be there to, you know, support me and love me, you know, and then if you're the one that has a little bit more experience, find novelty in the opportunity of guiding your partner and see if you feel excited by that rather than getting someone who is exactly at your level. So I think that getting into kind of an instructional teacher role could be kind of fun and in some ways thought of as like a, a power play exercise. And so you can ero- you can find ways to eroticize all of this stuff in a way that's going to be fun and exciting for everyone playing. I agree with you. At times I tell my clients even cooking a meal can be a kind of power dynamic situation. So you can make everything, especially if you're a sex therapist, <laughs> to yeah. a sex scene. But I also wonder about kind of like some people are not comfortable about their like don't feel comfortable about their sexuality. They haven't truly showed their erotic self to their partner. And when we're talking about novelty, it's just kind of scared. How can we, what are some of the recommendations you have for individuals, for couples to show up, take the risk of showing their erotic self to their partner? Another great question, because you're right. I mean, people here try new things and they stiffen up, they get nervous. So part of that is really challenging what your automatic assumptions are about any sexual act. So maybe someone wants to try anal sex, let's say, and some the other person hears that and they're like, anal sex, ew, why would I want to do that? Okay, well, let's talk about the ew. Like, what about that grosses you out? What underlying assumptions do you have about anal sex? You know, can we challenge some of those automatic thoughts? Have you read why so many people actually enjoy anal sex? Like, can you see that there might be an opportunity to learn something new about yourself or at least try and explore to see if it's something that you find you may enjoy and ultimately want to incorporate into your sexual repertoire? So I think that's the first step is identifying and challenging the automatic negative assumptions you have about any sexual act. That's number one. The second thing, and this is what's really hard for people, I think, especially when it comes to sex, is you might not love something the first few times you do it. So a lot of times, let's say you try something new, but maybe it's that it's it's a little bit over your 4%, so it made you feel a little anxious or uncomfortable, so you say, you know, I never want to try that again. Rather than saying, you know, let me give this a few chances before making up my mind that I definitely don't like it. Because the fact is, there are a lot of things that people find great pleasure and excitement in that weren't necessarily fun when they were still in the learning curve of that activity, whether it's you talked about surfing. I'm sure you didn't love surfing the first few times you did it. You had to learn how to surf or painting the first time. It's like, God, this seems like a lot, learning all the colors and how to mix and how to draw and how to prep a canvas. But you know that eventually, once you learn and you become more familiar with your materials, that it will be fun. You trust in the experience. And I really encourage people to have the same mindset when it comes to sex. Again, assuming that you are with a safe partner. 
someone who otherwise makes you feel totally comfortable and emotionally secure. Because really, the world is your oyster. And why not give something a few tries at least before you make up your mind that it is or isn't for you? Emily, I agree with you. I think for sometimes people out of fear, they quickly say no, or they don't give the activity enough, enough opportunity or chance to see if they like it or not. Or even the partnership, like maybe that's a new skill. Like it's a novelty thing that you have to know the skills first time you're figuring it out. And I know that it's a beauty of the being in a safe relationship. Like, you know, that you can talk about your maybe hard boundaries, but you can explore things. Maybe like in the middle, you find something that's like blow your mind. I was like, oh my God, this is so fun. But if you don't take the chance, you wouldn't know it. But I know for many cisgender female clients, because of the experience of a trauma and all the things they experience, they have yeah. to say no, maybe three limits below <laughs> what they're willing to do because they yeah. felt in the past people were always negotiating with their nose. Right, right. I think that's a very good point to raise. And yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, women especially tend to carry more sexual trauma than men do. And so they very are, they are very likely to have had experiences where someone was not respectful of their boundaries. And so it's a very you know, delicate balance and a very fine line. But generally, yes, I encourage people to put as much stuff in their maybe a few times list than in their hard no list, especially if, you know, you've decided that you want to be in like a long-term monogamous relationship. Because unless you're mixing up partners or doing other things, like if this is your partner, you you need to find ways to keep things interesting and exciting. We know that sexual satisfaction can go down if those kinds of things don't happen. So, and and again, coming back to vacation, I think it's just a wonderful opportunity. You have hopefully a few days set aside to focus on each other and reconnect emotionally and then maybe use it as an opportunity to try something a few times that's new sexually. I love that. And I know some people are successfully able to have great sex on vacation, but as soon as they go back home, things go to the place that they used to go. So what are some of the recommendations that you have for people to transfer that energy back home? So one of my favorite tips is to bring something back that reminds you of the vacation, whether it's a, let's say you were at the beach, maybe you get a candle that kind of has a suntan lotion, like tropical scent, or, you know, just something that can bring you back. Or maybe there was a food that you tried on vacation that you can learn to make the, the recipe at home. because. We know that so much is tied to the sensory experiences that we had as it relates to our memory of things and of things. So the more you can do to pull back some of those sensory experiences, it will remind you of how you felt emotionally on that vacation. And so that can be a really good way to kind of rekindle the fire that you had while on vacation. And sometimes just looking back at an old picture or sharing a memory can bring back those feelings as well. So I think those are some simple things that couples can do to reignite the feelings they had when they shared the vacation. One of the couples that I used to work, they had this beautiful uh, ritual of starting their sexual experience and watching video of their vacation, like whether somewhere that they went or yeah. like their own videos and they were just like helping them to calm down and transition to sexual space and bringing that energy back. Mm -hmm, I know. I remember, you know, I've been married to my husband now for 
almost eight years. And, you know, we did so much traveling before having kids. We try to stay on the go. But of course, it's a little bit different now with the little ones. And I remember telling him, I want to save all these pictures from our vacations so that when we're at each other's throats, when there's like babies crying and we're wiping butts, that we can look back and remember that we don't hate each other. (laughs) So definitely, I think looking back at old pictures is a wonderful way to reset the nervous system and remember that you were once in love and you're probably still very much in love. And once you were sexy. (laughs) Exactly. Once you looked good in a bikini. (laughs) Yeah. Well, uh, anything that we haven't talked about that you think would be important for our listeners to know about having how to have a great vacation sex and how to transition it back home. Yeah. So, you know, not every sexual experience you have, and and this I think is a really important takeaway point, not every sexual experience you have is going to be flow state sex or, you know, the best sex of your life. But when you take care to try to prioritize and give yourself time to have really great sex, that energy is going to spill over into, let's say, you know, more mediocre sexual experiences. So that if you're only ever having mediocre sexual experiences, you're going to feel like you have more bad sexual experiences. But if you invest the time and energy into occasionally having really great sex, then it's going to make you feel like you have really good sex most of the time. I think people are guilty of thinking sex is having like a beginning, middle and an end, or they think of it as very episodic. I encourage people to think of sex as this ongoing erotic current or charge. And the more often you turn up the heat and keep things interesting and exciting and use it as an opportunity to connect and get in your body, then the current will stay pretty strong. You've got to invest the time, energy. you've got to give sex the time, energy, and attention that it deserves just as you would anything else that's meaningful to you. At least once in a while. Like, you know, yeah. some people say like maintenance sex and that doesn't sound sexy to me. <laughs> but sometimes right. you want to have this like a very exciting experience with your partner and that kind of like help you to see them in a different context, right? Because exactly. if you're living someone day to day, like you kind of think you know what they're thinking, what they're eating, what they're doing. So yeah. that kind of can kill the uh, mysterious component of things. But maybe mm-hmm. when you're doing a novel activity that can help you to see your partner as a different person in different right. element. I love novelty. As yeah, we all need a little bit. Life would be boring without it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I bet our listeners are very curious to know where you can get more information about you, about your content. So if they are interested, where can they find you? Sure. Thank you. So I'm across all the social media channels at Dr. Emily Jamia. That's Dr. Emily Jamia. My website is also emilyjamia.com. I've got tons of online stuff there. I've got meditations you can download for free. I've got a great online workshop, which I'm happy to give your listeners a discount to. So if you use code half off, that's H-A-L-F off, you can get 50% discount on my online workshop. And it's all about reconnecting emotionally and sexually. But yeah, I think social media and and my own podcast, which is the Love and Libido podcast. If you enjoy podcasts about sex, then definitely check mine out too. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much for coming on this show. Thank you so much for offering discount to our listeners. And hopefully we will have you back in future episodes. Thank you. The pleasure is all mine. As you wrap up today's episode, I have an exciting announcement that's perfect for this holiday season. 
Imagine gifting yourself or someone special an experience that transforms and elevates your intimate life. I'm thrilled to introduce Afternoon Delight, an interactive live podcast event that's all about expanding your pleasure potential. This unique event is a collaboration between some of the country's top sex and relationship experts and well-known podcasters. Afternoon Delight is not just an experience, it's a journey into understanding intimacy, satisfaction, and a deeper level. Whether you're keen on self-discovery or looking to enrich your relationship, this event is a perfect holiday gift, setting the stage for an amazing Valentine's Day. You can check out all of the details related to the event in the link in the show notes. And the great part of it is that we have a limited number of early bird tickets available. This is your chance to make this holiday season and upcoming Valentine's Day extraordinary. You can come with your partner, you can come with your friends and don't wait too long. These tickets are selling fast. We got a lot of good stuff in our goodie bags that you don't want to miss out. I think the price of the goodie bag is equal to the price of the ticket. So make sure you're grabbing your ticket or gift this one-of-a-kind experience to your friend or family member. Thank you so much for listening. And we can wait to see you at Afternoon Delight, where you can bring more seasonal authenticity and fun into your intimate life. Until next time, embrace the journey of pleasure and discovery. Thanks for listening to Sexology Podcast. For more great content, visit www.sexologypodcast.com. Please be advised that information presented on this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health provider.